Welcome to Down to Herf, the podcast for cigar smokers, whiskey drinkers, and for the people just looking to kick back, light up, and have a good time. I'm your host, Jerry, and I'm joined by, as always, my co-host, Gio and Caleb. Fellas, 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 how are we doing on this fine Sunday? Gio, what's up? How's it going, Jer? It's going. Fresh off a birthday dinner, coming down here to record. and Happy birthday to you, man. Appreciate That's you. Right. 32 years old. Thank birthday. you. Oh. Joined by, as always, Caleb. How you doing over there? Good. Howdy, y'all. Happy birthday, Gio. Thank crazy, you. crazy days, but couple of guests in the show. studio too, man. Gio, want to introduce them? Well, you've seen them before. We got <laughs> Jeff Travis from Old Elk, but we got a real treat here: the man, the myth, the legend himself, Greg Metz. Hello, everybody. How you doing? <clears throat> I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Welcome Fun. to the Earth. How's Buffalo treating you? Uh, fabulous, man. Yeah. Tell you what, we've had. Uh, Two good events today. Just came from a really nice dinner pairing event they, at the Oliver. Oliver? Oliver. Yeah. Oliver, yep. Uh, spectacular food, spectacular event. Uh, did a nice uh, bottle signing today at Global Wine and Spirit. So, yeah, been good. How was that turnout? Really big? Uh, yeah, it was uh, steady. I don't know about really big, but it was steady for the solid two hours. We, we were hoping for the rain that they called for that never came and. We finally got an 80-degree sunny day in Buffalo, so I think that might have hampered the turnout a little bit. But Nice and humid, too. Oh, no kidding. It was <laughs> nice to be brutal. inside there. But, uh, no, he, he got his, uh, he's got his uh, signature worked out pretty well today. Maybe we, we wore out some pens. Yeah. yeah there you go. It's good outing. Yeah, I saw sure. a lot of pictures online in Facebook groups and posts, so it seems like a lot, of, a lot of your fans are out there. Yeah, terrific. I saw – it's unfortunate – that we couldn't make that event, but I, I, I saw that it seemed to be a pretty good turnout. And I saw you at a uh, global group earlier today yep. too, right? Yeah, or was yeah. that yesterday? Yeah. That was today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That looked, that looked cool. Yeah. I got like eight or nine bottles of old elk at home, all different uh, expressions. And I would have loved to uh, have you sign one, but unfortunately we're on the road today. Uh, the, tra- yeah. the traveling circus. <laughs> yeah. Listeners. Sorry. This interview is going to be one of the audio only ones we have. Unfortunately, uh, the electric company decided to, uh, you know, rain on our parade. I don't even understand how that happens. Just one street of electric goes out. One. Just happens that a bunch of Buffalo police officers live on that street. I think you pissed somebody off. <laughs> yeah, <right>. probably. <laughs> Guess so. Makes sense. Well, but Gio, what are, what are we smoking today, buddy? Well, we've got a nice uh, fresh release. Came out June third. The Aging Room Quattro Nicaragua Sonata Maestro. That's a mouthful. Oh, yeah. That is. <laughs> it is a mouthful. That it is, is a, a mouthful. For whatever reason, they always have to have like 50 names here. <laughs> but we've got our 6x52 ring gauge, uh, that torpedo at the end there for it here. I'm sure Caleb V-cut it just because that's his thing. It's a torpedo. I definitely V-cut it. I went with the straight cut here for it. Uh, this is obviously going to be Nicaraguan tobacco in here. Uh, it's blended at the AJ Fernandez factory in Nicaragua. And also, let's see here, the six Vitolas it comes in gets as big as a seven by 50. So I've seen that. It's almost like a giant Churchill, but it's box pressed, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big, big cigar. Boy. Yeah, it's a big cigar. But the fillers on this also going to be Nicaraguan. You got it all in here. So 
again, it seems like we've had a lot of AJ Fernandez stuff coming lately. I'm going to definitely feel like we're going to be enjoying this one because I don't think it's just more and more AJ Fernandez. Guy knows what he's doing in the shop. Wild Factory. Be- before we really start diving into you know, the guests and everything, I do want to thank Adam at Smokers Haven for allowing us. Uh, unfortunately, Gio touched on it a little bit. Uh, we lost power today, and it just kept getting longer and longer and longer and longer. And finally, I had to reach out to my boy over there. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate you, buddy, for letting us uh, host the show here. So, yeah, without further ado, Caleb. Take well, it away, buddy. Well, usually, I'm sure there's some things you're dying to say. Well, usually at this time, I would introduce the whiskey, but since we have two special guests and the master distiller himself from Old Elk, I'm going to let Greg Metz introduce this bottle and tell us all about what we're drinking today. So, Greg, without further ado, take it away. Yeah. Well, uh, again, Greg Metz, a master distiller for Old Elk. Uh, I was telling folks tonight, I just started my 46th year in the business. But uh, the bottle that we're looking at joining tonight is a. <clears throat> third master series blend that i put together uh and this one's called wheat and rye so it's a uh, blend of our 95 percent wheat five percent malt mash bill as well as our 95 percent rye five percent malt mash bill so uh, i will tell you that uh when you take your first sip if you haven't already there's a lot going on in this particular blend so um looking forward to seeing your reaction uh comments uh, i think you're really going to enjoy it there's uh the classic <clears throat> clove rye spice that comes with the, the high rye mash bill, but uh, the wheat uh, brings along a spice component of its own. And uh, frankly, I haven't pinpointed uh, a good descriptor for that, for what that spice is. So maybe you folks can help me tonight with that. But uh, absolutely two different spices going on in, in this particular blend. So yeah. I, I can tell you with it, with 100% certainty, there's no way I'm going to be coming up with any crazy notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you if it's good or bad. I've already had a couple sips, and I'm going to tell you this is real good. But yeah. I do, I am a big uh, Old Elk guy. So the uh, the Master Series, you know, blends that you put out, the the Double Weeded, the Four Grain, the, even the Infinity Bottle from this year was unbelievable. So, like I said, and then you guys started dabbling in those, uh, you know, like the Sherry Cast, the, the, the Rum the rum barrel finish. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you guys put out with, you know, this year. And I mean, they're all really, really good. Yeah. Well, that port finish. Yeah. That was, was good. Well, that was my favorite of the forecast for yeah. the program. But yeah. Nice. It's like a dessert drink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Super good. Real sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to date, my favorite old elk that I've tried was that four grain. I loved that bottle. That was one of the most unique tasting whiskeys I've ever had. I really enjoyed that one. And yeah, man, the stuff you guys are putting out is crazy. Well, the cool part, the cool part about the master series blends is, uh, is because our, our core four, uh, staple products, uh, the traditional, uh, high malt bourbon mash bill, the weeded bourbon mash bill, wheat whiskey mash bill, and the rye whiskey mash bill, because those are, uh, so different than everything else on the shelf. Uh, I was actually able to create mash bills within mash bills by blending uh, those core four together. So, and that's really how uh, the four grain was born. That's how uh, the double wheat was born, and uh, thirdly, that's how wheat and rye was born. So, uh, it gives us a lot of latitude to, to really try some new, uh, interesting things, bring it to market. I gotta say, I'm a sucker for a wheat whiskey. Yeah, yeah, uh, wheat's the, the, gaining traction. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I, I think that's uh, one of the reasons I really started becoming a fan of Old Elk because I, I notice you guys use, uh, you know, wheat as much as you guys possibly can. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems that way. I mean, you got all these different master blends, you know, wheat and rye, obviously, that's what we're using now. But uh, like the double weeded, uh, even just the regular weeded bourbon is fantastic. It is, yeah. So let me jump in. Sorry, I'm not going to be talking much tonight. But Greg, um, you touched on it earlier, and I've heard you talk about it before. And, and to, to go to what you were just saying, Jerry, maybe you could uh, run a brief introduction of how you got hooked up with Old Elk, obviously, and then um, the whole idea behind why we have such a big uh, investment in wheat and wheat weeded bourbons yeah sure uh there's probably a lot of folks out there that maybe don't know the old elk story and uh yeah happy to clue you in on that so uh i spent 38 years of my career at the lawrenceburg indiana uh distillery it was uh originally a seagram uh branded facility uh they got out of the business in 2002 and then we became uh preneur car then we uh migrated to LDI and, and finally to MGP over my career. But uh, I, I actually met Old Elk uh, at late 2012, early 2013, which is when we were transitioning from LDI to MGP. And our owners, uh, Kurt and Nancy Richardson, uh, are the founders of Otterbox, phone covers. Uh, very entrepreneurial guy and uh, loves to – uh, start companies and build them from the ground up, which uh, is really how we got started. So uh, Kurt decided that uh, he'd like to get into the bourbon business. And uh, uh, in doing so, the first thing he did was to look me up uh, in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, so that I could produce uh, custom mash bills for Old Elk and then produce them for him. Uh, so uh, w- when he came to the plant, uh, the first uh, – first project that he gave me to work on was old elk flagship bourbon and again he says i, I don't want to be buying uh, the same mash bills that everybody else is buying from you guys i want i want custom mash bills specifically for old elk and i want them to be different than everybody else on the shelf so that's really there's two things about old elk's dna that's really simple it's world-class quality products and it's being a bit different than everybody else on the shelf uh, and to be different, uh, I crafted uh, entirely different mash bills than anybody else in the industry is producing. So the uh, uh, I did the flagship bourbon first. That wound up being a very high malted barley content bourbon mash bill. Uh, probably produced uh, 9,000 barrels of that product. Uh, and then about a year and a half later, uh, I got back in, in contact with Kurt and Nancy and, and uh they were asking me what I thought the next growing categories would be six or seven years down the road, uh, which is exactly where we're at today. And uh, at the time we had that discussion, uh, I told them that, you know, there's some nice players in the wheat bourbon, wheat whiskey categories, but there's not many. Uh, and at that time, uh, rye whiskey was gaining traction like crazy. Uh, and really that was in no small part to the, that high rye mash bill that we were producing down there in Lawrenceburg. But, in any case, I, I suggested that we uh, do a weeded bourbon mash bill and we do a wheat whiskey mash bill. Uh, and I also told him that I thought if we're going to do that, we should go extreme. Uh, and we did. So the wheat bourbon mash bill is 51% corn, the minimum. It's got 45% wheat in it and 4% malt. So it's uh, literally about the maximum amount of wheat that you can get into a wheat bourbon mash bill. 
uh, short of using commercial enzymes. Uh, and then the same approach for the uh, for the wheat whiskey. That's 95% wheat and 5% malt. No other cereal grains, and it it it's maxed out in wheat. So all the all the flavors that you'll see in in those two two products is what what the wheat brings to the table as a cereal grain uh, for making really nice distilled spirits. Yeah. So you're obviously using your college degree. Oh, chemical yeah. engineering, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, from the University of Cincinnati. Yes, sir. So that's pretty cool. It so, is. Uh, but I, I will, I will get to create expressions that everybody gets to enjoy. I mean, everybody gets to appreciate the work that you put in. Yeah, that's you know? been that's been a lot of fun. And uh, quite frankly, I mean, I, I would have never had that latitude uh, had not Old Elk given me that opportunity. So that was, you know, one of the one of the many drawing cards that I had to, to leave a facility that I spent my career at. Uh, to join someone brand new and and uh, help them build a brand and build products from the ground up. Do you think if you never hooked up with the Richardsons, do you think that you'd still be at MGP? Uh, I'd say that's very likely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was obviously very comfortable there. I knew every facet of of, of the plant, every facet of my job, and I, you know, I could have coasted into retirement quite easily. But yeah, uh, I, you know, I was given an opportunity to. To actually see facets of the industry that I'd never seen before, which is uh, sales, distribution, and marketing. So I was never part of any of that in the, in the first 38 years. And then I got an opportunity to join a, a small company. We're about 35 strong. And, and they're all young, smart, passionate people. Uh, I'm the old goat in the crowd. <laughs> definitely definitely the goat. goat. Yeah, yeah. Second old goat. <laughs> definitely yeah. the goat, for sure. Greatest yeah. of all time. So Old Elk is really a product of you finally getting getting to be essentially your own little mad scientist. That, so, And that's got to be a crazy feeling to finally you know get to see all the trends here. Because obviously with you know being at MGP, you've had a hand in a lot of bourbons that are on the shelf. Some forthcoming, some not so forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, how does that feel knowing that, like, you know, this one gets to bear your name as comparison to knowing other brands that, like, you've essentially done all the legwork for in terms of creating the product versus and seeing that, like, you know, a legacy wise for you? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but, but I will tell you true that, uh, even though we weren't getting recognition for many years for, uh, you know, for uh, distilling the products that went into many, many brands, uh, I, I, every day that I left that distillery, I took great gratification in knowing that I was producing world-class quality uh, spirits uh, for all these brands. And, and you know, that, that was really enough for me. I, I took uh, great pride in, in having the ability uh, to do that. And since I've joined Old Elk, uh, I've certainly uh, uh, been introduced to a whole new realm of the industry relative to, you know, being able to create uh, these mash bills and these master series blends and these infinity blends. So it's it's, it's incredibly gratifying, but it's a lot of fun to boot. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it, it's almost hard to call it work. Yeah, it's like you essentially you're the kid in the candy store. Yeah. Like you're like, yeah. oh, let's try some of that and some of that yeah. and absolutely. So a lot of that actually happens in the cigar industry. You see like these little companies, these small craft boutique cigar blends, and these companies they get bought by huge companies, and then it, it, you see almost the same kind of thing happening to them. They now have access to 
these all these factories all over the place. They get to play around in the like like Gio said, like the playground. Yeah. You're just sitting out there and you're able to experiment with all the best tobacco all over the world, you know. And I got to imagine just the the grains. I'm sure you know that you're able to come across. I, I'm sure not all wheat grains are the same. I'm sure like there's different stuff for different projects, right? Oh, absolutely. So uh, uh, all the wheat that we used in in the old elk products is soft red winter wheat, and that's that's always been uh, the best grain to use for for whiskey distillate. So, uh, you know, I stick to uh, stick to to tradition. Uh, you know, a lot of that was part of my Seagram training. Uh, you know, they they wrote their own textbooks on on mashing and distilling, and and all that data is really coming from those books. So, you know, I took a a, a big part of their training, and I've held that training uh, near and dear to my heart, and. Uh, you know, I continue to be a very traditional, uh, I don't want to say by the book distiller, but uh, certainly very traditional. I, I take I take all their learnings uh, to heart and, uh, you know, apply it daily. Okay. So with like that being said, what's one thing I would like to think is obviously it takes a lot to like go through a mash bill process, your creative process, knowing what might taste like this and what might... What's kind of, in your opinion, like the craziest expression of old elk where you're like, huh, how the heck do I start with this and came to be a product like you didn't even expect it to be what it was type of deal? Well, the the, the crafting of the mash bills, uh, old elk mash bills, was really more straightforward than than you might think. Uh, uh, And and partly the reason for that is because, uh, you know, the fact that they wanted to be different than everybody else on the shelf actually made it easier because that allowed us to go to the extremes uh, where, you know, other companies may have not given you that latitude. So, you know, being able to go to the far end of the spectrum actually kind of simplified things. So, uh, you know, when we decided we wanted to do the wheat bourbon, wheat whiskey, we wanted to uh, showcase uh, the characters that wheat brings to the table and, and to do that, uh, we went with either a low corn or a no corn content in the mash bill. And so it really, in many ways, it sort of simplified things. I like I like that. So I have a really quick question. For those of you guys who don't know, uh, Greg actually won Distiller of the Year in 2015. And I know you know how to make gin, vodka, whiskey. You learned that all through Seagram's. Yeah. So how did it feel winning that award and just what went into that and what happened? You know, I'm sure your trophy case with everything that you've done over the years is probably tremendous. So how's it feel being such an award winner like that in the whiskey industry? Well, it was, uh, you know, obviously a very proud accomplishment. Uh, you know, it, it's not something that I was really trying to do. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I guess the the recognition of all the work that we've done over the years relative to you know, our, uh, you know, the products that I was producing going into other brands, I guess, sort of, sort of caught up, I, I suppose. Uh, I, again, it's not, I I'm, would say I'm very humble by nature and, you know, awards and, and all that's not terribly important, but, you know, it, when, when you're, you're, uh, noticed for what you do, it's, you know, obviously has to be incredibly gratifying, which it is. So, you know, for me, it's really fun to watch folks. I try our products and, and like our products and, and be, uh, you know, just the enjoyment that they take out of something you're bringing to the table or bringing to the consumer. 
uh, is is the most rewarding thing in the world. So. I mean, you're definitely very humble considering you won like the Lombardi Trophy of the whiskey industry. <laughs> and so. and I think you I wouldn't even know it. No. And I think I speak for all of us. The moment we first had an Old Elk product was uh, an episode. We never heard of it. Just had a tasting. I know it was like a single barrel select. It was a single barrel select from Buffalo Bourbon Enthusiasts. They're a local group. Um, they they might have been at the tasting tonight. Yeah, we were, yeah. We were tasting yeah them. Brett and Aaron. No, they weren't, but we were tasting uh, their latest. Um, oh, then a new pick, huh? It, it's not brand new, but fairly new. It's the third one that they've done. But I got to say, once we first tried that product on the show, we've been hooked. I could speak for it. Obviously, Jerry's got like almost the whole Old Elk collection in his garage, but we've been hooked, and it's been something that we were like, Old Elk, yeah, it's a winner. Like uh, at my liquor store that I work at, I'm always telling people you got to try it. Anything they put out, uh, something that goes in the lockup cabinet, never lasts long. And like, got to try it. It's amazing. Just even the stock, the regular that we have, the two on the shelf. I'm like, just buy it. It's great. It you can't. I know we haven't even touched on this yet, and I know you're talking about the collection, but I just want to throw this out there. That cigar cut. Yeah. Yeah, that we, was very, very good. We almost crushed. We that. crushed that we bottle did. in one yeah, night. We crushed it. That was yeah. the last episode we, we did. We crushed that yeah. bottle. So, well, we love having you on, man. You you always bring joy to the to the lounge. That was a fun night. Yeah, <laughs> it was a wild. It was a long day. That was a good day. <laughs> you went golfing. I did. I finally got out. Shot a ninety three. Not so bad for your first time out of the year. It was my first time out. I was with Caleb. I couldn't miss. You're one of those. He was on. I should have. Yeah, it should have been like an eighty six. But <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Played like crap. We're not going to talk about it. Yeah, One of the most humble guys that we've probably ever interviewed. Uh, I mean, with the accomplishments you've done and obviously the, the way that the brand is going. I mean, it's definitely trending up. Oh, yeah. I mean, when people, I mean, maybe this will make you happy, you know, but you're very humble. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, when people ask me and they're like, what's like a really, really good bottle of bourbon or whiskey that you know you would recommend for something special, and I always say you got to try this product, Old Elk. I got all my buddies drinking it. Everybody that wants to learn about whiskey and bourbons and get into it, there's just something about the tastes that you know are in these specific bourbons. Like I said, I'm a sucker for a wheat. Mm-hmm. They're very sweet, and I don't think I've ever really had anybody aside from my wife who hates all whiskey <laughs> get, have any problems she'll with come it. So. Around. Give her time. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I, she'll probably need a bottle of it, but you yeah, know, on Tuesday. But give, yeah. give her a couple days. Yeah. But once your wife starts getting in the whiskey, it's one of the worst things. Then you got to start sharing your whiskey with your wife. I, I <laughs> That's another it. thing. So it. maybe maybe we just keep our hobbies our hobbies. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish I would have done that. My wife should have stuck to wine and vodka and <laughs> stayed away from my whiskey. Yeah, bro, you could have got away with like ten dollar box wine. What, did you, what were you thinking? <laughs> Boy, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. She doesn't. <laughs> Um, I had another question. I was doing some digging and some research. So how or what what's going on with that Mets Select Indiana Straight <laughs> Bourbon Whiskey? Uh, that came out right after you won the award, right? Or something like that? Yeah, that, uh, that, when did that come out? 2015, 2016? Was, was it a very limited run? It was. It was yeah. uh, 3,000 bottles, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're all gone or someone's got them collected. Uh, I'll t- I'd love, yeah, I'm going to jump in while you're clearing your throat. I was... Uh, I was at a store downstate Long Island actually um, over the summer, and uh, these these two guys that own the store we were we were doing some barrel picks and uh, we were presenting Infinity Blend as well at the same time and they said something about oh I got a bottle of Metsa Select at home, like, no kidding. So my boss was actually with me at the time. We texted Greg and we were having like a little conversation. The guy ran home 
to get his bottle of Metza Slack and came back and we took a picture of it and sent it to Greg and you know it was kind of like a half-assed not quite FaceTime but we were going back and forth and he was he likes seeing that stuff and yeah. it actually came up today at the at the tasting somebody did, brought yeah. up Metza Slack sure yeah speaking of barrel picks that's something that we're very interested in doing <laughs> we, we talked about it on the we way here. we we want to do something like that yeah. I don't know how it's going to work but we'll, we'll make it. it work maybe I, maybe I, we bring in Jeff I I said I think it would be a do you, do you get Dan or whatever, and let's take a little trip to Colorado. Hey, our first one sold that would out. Be awesome. Our first one sold out. Our second barrel pick will be coming soon. So if you guys are listeners, fans, mm-hmm. be on the lookout for it. But we plan on doing more, hopefully. Well, yeah. If you ever get a chance, it, the experience to pick a barrel out in Fort Collins is pretty special. Yeah, it is. Fun. Are you going to be there? I could be. Usually, yeah. yeah. If you're there, I think it'll make it a million times. Better. I would do my level best to be the, there. The the few my that man. I've done in person, I I make sure. That Greg's there, so I I coordinate it with the customer. I think we could come up with a really good panel. I think it would be a great time. It's neat. It's a cool experience. It definitely is. And And I've never been to Colorado. I hear it's a great time. Let's not start talking about that airport again, all right? Oh, you know what? I did write that down as a question. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So we did, like, on the after her, we did, like... The last last show we did, Greg. So we did, like, a conspiracy theory about the Denver airport. I don't know if you ever heard anything about it. But do you think there's anything weird or crazy going on at the Denver airport? The amount of space it's on, the layout of the runway. Um, they say there's a huge underground fortress underneath that's not not used by anyone. Do you think there could be something weird going on, like a doomsday bunker, some sort of weird elite prepping station? For uh, we forgot to bring his tin tin hat, uh, by hat. the way, his tin foil hat. We didn't. Uh, well, bring I'm it. sure you've been there, so uh, you know maybe well, you got some airport and like the crazy artwork that they have. I've never ever See, considered anything. And I did the same thing. And then yeah. once he started talking, I'm like, "All right, I remember seeing that." Like when you're there, you don't. I don't know. I guess yeah. you don't. I guess now, I don't next pay, time I'm out I there, I'm I don't pay looking. attention enough. Right. Yeah, like that crazy blue horse. The artist yeah. who made it died by falling off when he was making it. So, well, I did hear that story. Yeah, I think that's a true story. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Right, this well. is actually pretty amazing. We're hanging out with the the you know the the distiller of the year. You know, in 2015, you said. Yep. It's yeah. pretty pretty awesome. I this think, is definitely I think, a great I think experience. You can be it every year, but you know they yeah. probably got to pass it around. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but it's like uh, you know, did, should Jokic have won his third MVP this year? Probably. Yeah. But you don't want to keep you giving can't it to win the three same in a row. Guy. You know, you, you can't give it to the same guy. Hey, shout out Denver again. You know, Nuggets <laughs> NBA championship, right? Was Old Elk the official bourbon of the Denver Nuggets? Ooh, that'd be nice. Well, oh yeah, you should have been be right. Making some cash. Yeah. Right well, someone in the marketing area has got to make that call. We should work on that. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't shock me. I mean, they say it's rumored up to you've had your hand in 120 companies' success. Uh, probably more. With with <laughs> rumored up to it, maybe even more. Yeah. And it's nice to see you getting the recognition through this brand. A lot of these Mets fingerprints on some of those brands. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> And I, I heard it's hard to get anyone to figure out who who like who discloses it or not. I heard yeah, yeah. it's hard. I think most most uh, I think a lot of that's passed. I think almost everybody's pretty transparent about yeah. what's going on there. So I think you know. Some, well, I could think of a couple off the top of my head if you're allowed to talk about them. Yeah, I, yeah. I, can talk I heard about smoke wagon would be one. That definitely is. Yeah. Uh, Widow Jane. Uh, yep. Some uh, other stuff. Some other stuff, yeah. yeah. Is it Bullet? Er, Bullet? Bullet 95. Bullet The rye. Oh, one of my absolute definitely. favorite go-to whiskeys. I know, and that's Bullet why I rye. wanted to bring that up. 
the the bullet rye 95 well i had a question about the rise because i was uh reading through an old like esquire magazine and uh whoever wrote it they kind of credited you to like bringing back like rye spirits and i'm a guy who loves a great rye whiskey and it all started with bullet rye for me it did uh and again that that whole the whole uh growth in rye over the last probably 15 years is probably has a lot to do with that high rye mash bill that we perfected in Lawrenceburg. Uh, um, most other rye whiskeys are only 51% rye and and probably have uh, maybe some corn or some wheat or whatever in it, but uh, the 95.5 mash bill is incredibly hard to make from a technical and a processing perspective and uh, you know, it, I, I would say we perfected that over a 30-year period in Lawrenceburg. So. That's so wild because I, I always feel that, uh, I mean, you say it's so complicated, but I, I see that product is so readily available at every liquor store. It is, but you don't see the, well, you don't see the 95.5 mash bill readily sure. available unless it's coming out of Lawrenceburg. Uh, I would challenge anybody else to try to make it and have the quality come out the way it should. It, it's really difficult. That's a man that's got pride in his work right there. He's like, yeah, go ahead, try. <laughs> so yeah, um, give it a whirl. With that mash bill and the time and how hard it is to make, that's usually why you get a little higher price with some of those 95.5 ryes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's one of the reasons. I mean, rye is more expensive than corn, and rye has lower starch content than corn, so you get less proof gallons per bushel. Uh, it costs probably twice as much as corn, and then, you know, it's very difficult to process. So there's, yeah, there's a lot goes into the pricing. Hmm. I didn't know that. Hey, you know what? If well, it's a solid rye and it catches my eye, I'm definitely buying it. Okay, poet over here. This guy <laughs> wasn't even solid rye yeah. and it catches my eye. Wasn't even trying. Sound like fucking Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> but yeah, I mean, going back to that, like as far as like the price points too, like you know, obviously Old Elk hasn't been around as long as some of these other bourbon brands yet. You guys are able to get, you know, some premium price points that sell out very, very fast. And that's a tribute to the quality because this market has a very, very high uh, barrier to entry yeah. in terms of are you going to stick? Like, I'm sure it's like with a lot of things, there's a lot of solid products out there that probably never made it on a shelf. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a given. But, uh, you know, in any business, if you bring quality to the table, uh, the likelihood of being successful is 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 high. Uh, if you if you don't bring quality to the table, then the opposite's true. But uh, you know, I think Old Elk's done a good job of finding uh, of of being recognized by the uh, enthusiasts and the aficionados and the, uh, uh, you know bourbon groups and stuff like that who who recognize quality and they're willing to pay uh, you know a little extra for high quality. So. And the other thing is, too, is that, that nowadays, <clears throat> because of all these uh, bourbon groups and bourbon societies, uh, you know, the knowledge of the consumer is considerably higher than it's probably ever been. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, they they uh, they want uh, they want quality and they want something different uh, and they, you know, and they want information about your products. And uh, Old Elk's always been incredibly transparent about everything that goes into the bottle. So I think, you know, I, I think, I think Old Elk uh, sort of sticks to their roots, and uh, they, they we bring quality to the table. We're different than everybody else, and we're incredibly transparent. So it's you know I think uh, we've developed 
uh, a high degree of trust and really a, a short six years. So I think that's a tribute to everybody in the company. Certainly. Absolutely. And it's funny he brings up the, uh, the, the product knowledge aspect of things. Because now as consumers, even in the cigar industry, you know, these, these newer cigar smokers, they really do care about where these products are coming from and, you know, how they're made, who's making them, where is it made. And, uh, I mean, it's almost just like the bourbon industry. Yeah, certainly. And what I like about Old Elk is, like, you guys really went on the merit of that product as well. Like, you know, it very easily, you know, you've got, you know, your, you know, them with the Otterbox, like, there's a lot of money behind that. They yep. could have easily had you distill it and slap Joe Celebrity's name on it. And before you know it, it's, you know, Conor McGregor and Proper 12. Yeah. But they true. just decided to make it based on its own. And I appreciate, you know, the fact that you have a product that doesn't need anyone else's celebrity. It's just a damn good product. Uh, no, that's true. Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, we s probably say it a lot. I mean, we, we had the luxury of being a craft brand with capital mm -hmm. and, and they allowed us to do everything, uh, the right way. We waited four years for the product to come to age, uh, uh, in in the case of weeded bourbon, we waited five. In the case of weeded whiskey, we waited six because, <clears throat> excuse me, those products just weren't ready until they were ready. And, and uh, you know that the the leadership that Kurt and Nancy bring to the table and the latitude that they allowed us to do things the way you're supposed to do it uh, is paying dividends now because we're recognized for the quality of our products. Yeah, and if we weren't. If we wouldn't have had that latitude, we wouldn't have had that quality. So, <clears throat> he's our celebrity. Yeah, I was gonna say. Right. I well, mean, you know what I mean. Like when that when that small little company who owns uh, Otterbox approached you. I mean, you know that that small the company. The funny thing is, is there, and I tell this to people all the time. Um, it's a huge company, right? And they own they own other companies. We've talked about it before. They, you know, Angel Armor, Body Armor, um, company, and and others. But they have they have our one out for a holiday party every December, and Kurt and Nancy are right there eating dinner, having drinks with us. There's forty of us or fifty of us with our our guests, and and I mean, yeah, let's not count the zeros at the end of their net worth, but you would never know it. You you really wouldn't. They're down to earth people, just you know, jeans and a freaking flannel shirt, um, out to to dinner and a holiday party. They're you know really really nice people. So oh, absolutely, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Now, that guy's bourbon collection is probably insane. <laughs> I can imagine. Mine? No, well, oh, I'm sure yours is. Yeah, I'm sure you got some pretty cool stuff. Uh, you know, fact of the matter is I don't. I got a basement full of samples. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hey, all your guests are, you know, probably happy guests. Hey, they hey, get yeah. all the samples. Yeah. Well, okay. So you, you predicted wheat now. What's the next uh, mash bill thing? Here? Oh man! What's, yeah, what's the next future? It's these. Well, you're not asking me. I know. I'm just saying. It, it seems like it's, that may be the first question that's ever stumped me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd have to imagine you can only go so far, right? There's only so many grains. Yeah. Like, is there any kind of you know, uh, twenty-one spice recipes type stuff you got going here that's uh, in here that you think might you know be something in the future that is hitting taste buds well i don't know about the 21 spice but 
I think we we touched on it the last show, or you know what, you might have been talking with Rachel the show before me about all the different cast finishes, and I think yeah, cast finishing you know, huge me, now, me being huge on the, be, being on the street and seeing you know the competition. It's it's it seems like everyone's trying to find the next cool cask finish there's a lot of them out there and listen we've we've tried we've done i mean the cigar cut that's four different casks um but i'm speaking for greg maybe not but you know the blending that he's doing taking his experience all those years of experience and blending existing products doing the mash bill within the mash bill to find the next cool thing um you know maybe that's the route i don't know, I, I don't yeah. know if my two cents counts here but please oh, stay away from madeira casks please <laughs> I have to be completely honest with you that the the cash program, uh, cash finish program, and cigar blend is is all the work of Melinda Maddox out in Fort Collins. So she, she uh, pioneered that program. Uh, she runs that program, and uh, the, really the only part I played in that is is the juice that she's finishing is is my juice. But uh, absolutely, I, I have to give Mel all the credit. Mm -hmm in the world for the cash finish programs and she's uh she came to the table as a highly acclaimed mixologist she's got a great palate she's got great sensory and uh uh she's got a, a knack uh for what she's doing there so mm -hmm. she, she really needs to get the credit for all that well, well that's awesome first <laughs> off i mean obviously none of us would have questioned you if you said yeah this is you know this is what i thought here but Again, showing your humble side, giving credit to the people around you that do their part. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna start like aging bottles and barrels up in space next. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that's the thing, or or like underneath the sea. Uh, I've say, heard some wine up. companies are doing some like. Bottles I heard Ocean Gate's yeah. got a good program right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Soon, too soon. Yeah. Too soon. <laughs> well, something about the pressure and the barrel. Yeah, the pressure and the barrels. I heard it's a good. I heard it could be pretty good. Uh, the corks pop. Don't go too deep. Yeah, don't go too deep. <laughs> or you don't want to be like those uh, those monks who invented uh, the champagne and they oh. Don Perignon where they got killed by the corks flying at them because the pressure is too much. Right? <laughs> really? Yeah, I think that's the legend behind it. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that, but I think uh, I haven't heard that. One. Well, that's why they put that little like knob at the bottle of champagne so that the pressure doesn't build up. Because I think a monk or something got huh. killed when a cork flew out and hit him in the head. Huh. Could be a conspiracy. So, Someone Greg, fact check this. I got a question. <laughs> yes, sir. Of all the expressions you guys have put out, what do you think is the one that you're the most proud of? All of them. All of them? All of them. If, if there was one. Yeah, I'm sticking that's with all of them. You're that's him trying to guns. say he's trying to pick his favorite kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. That's no, an 18-way tie. It sounds like a really cheesy answer, uh, but the fact is that uh, each one of those expressions that we have out there now is is different. Uh and, and it has their own personality. So for me, on any given day, depending on my mood or the weather or whatever, I, you know, I, I can enjoy any one of those expressions on any given day uh, in any given month. So uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but uh, I, I'm actually very proud of, of all those expressions. And, and they're all, again, they've all developed their own personalities. So. Yeah. All right. Well, here's a wild card question. If oh, you're not if you're not drinking Old Elk, what uh, what other kind of whiskeys, <laughs> bourbons do you like? Any, you know, anything in particular that you can or would like to talk about? You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a Smalls uh, joke. <clears throat> yeah. Appreciate the Sandlot. Too, too bad joke. we don't have video, but uh, I I own a lot of bricks in that uh, Coors Light building down down there in Golden, Colorado. Do you need another one? Uh, sure. All right, we, we can get Are the mountains blue. 
No, um, they might be blue in the fridge. We might just, have to pop another one, one in there. One more in the fridge. Oh, I put a, I put so, a bunch yeah, in Yeah, if there. I'm not drinking old elk, I'm uh, drinking Coors You're Light. a beer guy? I, I feel yeah. bad. We got Adam over here. He just keeps doing things for me. <laughs> I got to say, if we had video for today, Adam, like, going in and out of shots and camera, it would be awesome. The mountains are blue. Yeah, man. Maybe Thank this you. is your calling, Adam. Rocky you Mountain know, Fresh. Like, you just are like the you you just like the producing and everything. He's that guy that we've been looking for, that fourth. <laughs> so if it's not old elk, it's this. Oh yeah. there we good go. pop right there. But the, I mean Blue Mountains, crispy beer. My guess is just like to touch on like Jerry's question here, you're the type of guy that it's not going on a shelf if you can't stand behind it one hundred percent. That's absolutely true. Like yeah. I mean <clears throat> when I put my name on that label uh label, I'm putting my reputation on that label. So you know, if it doesn't meet my standards, uh my name won't be on it. And how often would you say when you've tried something you're like, nah, never again? Because uh, I gotta imagine there's a whole lot of like tinkering around like i said you probably get to enjoy putting all the puzzle pieces together well things like that never make it far enough so okay uh so when i do like these master series blends uh you know uh some of the ideas will come from marketing and sales like four grain they, they you know they make a suggestion and say we, we think we'd like to have a four grain product and then and then i'll take that and, and i'll go uh to our inventory and and you know, see what I see what I have to work with, uh, and then I'll choose what what my blending components are going to be, and then I'll make up uh, maybe six or seven different ratios of, of the blending components that I choose to meet like a four grain uh, category, and uh, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, I, I have a preconceived idea of of which one of those ratios is going to be the home run. And I'm 0 for 7. <laughs> but uh, I will say that in, in all seven cases, there's always been one out of that six or seven on the table that always stands out as the one. It's like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, you know it when you know it. Uh, it's never been the one. It's never been the preconceived one that I thought was going to be the one. And And the reason for that is because components don't always marry up together like you think they would uh it's it's not always just simple math it's uh, so when i do uh those all those different blends I, I put them up on the table blind and i just go through them and i look for the one that that stands out as z1 and then i'll i'll let them sit for four hours and i'll do it again i'll let them sit the next day and i'll do it again uh, quite frankly, my wife has gotten very good at sensory and organoleptic, so uh, she weighs in on them. Uh, actually, her and I uh, agree uh, for the most part, uh, straight up. And then, and then the uh, you know the quality panel out in Fort Collins gets the same. Uh, they get they get the same latitude. So I'll send them the samples out. They evaluate them, and uh, you know the the consensus. Uh, uh, winds up being the blend that we go with. But. I was actually just about to ask what the process was that actually went into selecting yeah. from that. So yeah. you answered that ahead of me there. So now, obviously, is it like everyone gets an equal vote, or do you well, like, not do necessarily you, equal? But uh, yeah, you're like, hey, this is the one I like. Everybody, <laughs> everybody has a voice, and in a lot, in yeah. a lot of cases, what I'll even do is, is I'll invite thirty of my friends over uh, that I can, you know, that that enjoy bourbon. And I, and I'll let them evaluate them and, and weigh in because 
in many cases, I, I maybe know too much, so I, I'm maybe not the best judge of what the consumer likes. I know what I like. I know what I know high quality, and if you bring quality, you're going to be successful. But uh, you know, I can't guarantee you're going to like the mash bills I put together, even the blend. So I, I I go outside the dots a little bit and invite you know a group of thirty what I consider like general consumers to to evaluate them for me. And I, and I let their, you know, I, I, I use their opinion as well. I think that's awesome. You're literally taking every bit into it beforehand, not just, you know, being one of those people that are like, I know it better than you. This is what you should drink right. type. So, and it shows in the products, obviously. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. I got a question. I kind of want to bring Jeff in. How'd you get hooked up with this guy? <laughs> I was lucky, man. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because this guy, this guy's awesome, man. Every he time he awesome. comes on, and we always keep in contact. You know, I, I feel like I could text him about anything. Uh, if I'm ever looking for a specific old L product, he knows where I can get it. He goes out of his way to make sure that I can find it. Obviously, because of the show, we love to to drink the old elk when we're pairing it with cigars. Uh, I mean, this guy, he does everything in his power to make sure that the consumer gets what they're looking for. No, you're absolutely right. I've, I've, I've had the good fortune of being able to work side by side with him for, for years now. And, uh, and now he's just like your chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> I put some miles on the last two days. Two more to go. No, I, thank you for the kind words. And, no, I meant that, man. No, and I, I appreciate it. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's the job, but you know, when you listen to the things that Greg says about the quality and he, he said some stuff tonight at the dinner and, Every time I'm with him, I hear different things, and you know, I'm like a baby, you know, a sponge listening to his his knowledge, which is which is cool. But um, you know, learning people skills and so forth, and and um, taking care of the customer. He heard it from some people sitting at the table with us tonight how how small knit the Buffalo community is. You know, the old Kevin Bacon, whatever, how many degrees in Buffalo? It's like two degrees of separation, but. Um, where I'm going with that is, you know, if I take care of you, you're going to take care of someone that I probably know. And all of a sudden in Buffalo, you know, everybody knows everyone. And, and, and that grows even outside of Buffalo. Even, I mean, think about it, the, the, the common people we know in Rochester too. Um, but yeah, it's, um, so obviously it's a lot easier doing my job when you have a good quality product and that all goes back to this guy over here. So it, it makes my, my life and my my job a lot easier yeah yeah i mean heck even when i was down in you know tampa old elks there in bars like i got to try some of the like barrel picks down there i remember it was called like susan's kiss or something like that i don't remember who uh was that a corona yeah it was corona who picked it i just don't know what the process was on it but it was a really cool one they they did specifically for their like shops so like it's really nice to see old elks crossover support into other facets too obviously they tie themselves you know a cigar shop's getting a barrel pick then you've got you know cigar shops aging their cigars in your guys barrels and you know it really really just i like to see the overall um collaboration yeah no it's it's been incredibly uh incredibly gratifying across the board so uh yeah what what more can you say it's it's hard to call it work i think this is the the second (laughs) cast in a row i did through these guys at noel noel our florida mike florida counterpart getting all these shout outs again damn <laughs> no but no, no it's good dude yeah florida's a big market for us they do they do a lot of a lot of single barrels 
little easier to do than New York, and I'm not using that as an excuse or a crutch, but um, definitely a different market. But they have he, he he does a kick ass job down there. It's okay, you can say New York is a pain in the ass. Yeah, because they are. We they are. It. They are we, even in the cigar world. New York sucks. We know. We know. It I, is. It's brutal. I, Adam's got like 18 regulatory fees. They're going to send him a bill for you try to use this as a studio next. Yeah, <laughs> the tax guy is going to be like, what the hell? Wait, you ran a podcast out of there? <laughs> There's Hold something on. we is, could charge for this. Yeah, we could charge him something for this. Where's the film tax? You know what? People saw us probably bringing all this lighting and equipment. They probably thought some other filming was going uh, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Zach, after hours. Zach, Zach and Mary or, or what was it? That movie? Yeah, Zach, Zach and Mary. You got it, right? <laughs> Oh, geez. I got a, another uh, question just to tie in uh, Jeff to this one, too, because he told us a couple episodes back about your uh, slow cut proofing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trying to get back to the whiskey. Can you, uh, you know, maybe explain a little bit how that works and how it's different than most other distilleries? Sure. Process? So uh, slow cut process is, uh, is is something we adopted. We didn't invent it. Uh, we actually learned it. Uh, uh, through uh, sure. Linda Fraley, who's who's a, uh, a a renowned, world-renowned blender, but uh, one of uh, Kate Douglas, one of our former uh, distillers, uh, went to one of her seminars, and she talked about the slow cut process and what that is. Is when you reduce uh, whiskey from barrel proof to bottling proof, it, it's a a heat liberating reaction it's it's an, an actual chemical reaction and, and it's because you're going from a higher energy state to a lower energy state <clears throat> and to be able to do that uh, the reaction has to induce heat into your product so commercially or probably i think we may be the only distillery that you that uses that process uh if not very few people use it but in any case what Rather than doing it in one big step, uh, which liberates all the heat into the product all at once, uh, which can actually be enough to drive off some of the really delicate uh, flavor components that are in that product, uh, we break it down into into multiple small steps. So the amount of water that we use from start to finish is the same as everybody else. But by doing it in small steps, the amount of heat that goes into the product at any given step is incrementally smaller than than doing it in one step and that actually uh, helps preserve some of those uh, highly volatile flavor components that you work so hard to uh, create uh, through your your mashing your fermentation your distillation and and maturation so uh, just extra steps that we take to help preserve all the flavor components that we work so hard to develop Uh, makes it a higher higher quality whiskey as well yeah yeah so yeah you ever brewed beer i have not i feel like you'd be making some banger beers i have not uh uh, i think it's one of those things where if if you work in something all day in an industry uh when you get off uh you're you're looking to maybe do something different so i uh i i really have not uh even dabbled in it so what does greg do when he's not at the not at the distillery I love anything else outdoors. You a golfer? Uh, uh, not a golfer. Well, I, I go on the beer blast golf outings, but I'm, I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah! I, I can throw the ball straighter and farther <laughs> than I can hit it. So I, I'm not a golfer. Same. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, enjoy skiing in the winter. I, 
Uh, would love to get another boat because I enjoy water skiing. I love lake life. Um, uh, anything outside. I mean, I've been, uh, we had a tornado went over the house last year, so I've been cutting firewood as a result of that for a year and splitting it. You real old school with it, with the axe in the backyard? Uh, well, on some of the trees I had to because they had a, they were <laughs> like two feet in diameter. I had to split them with a wedge. And to the point where I could lift them onto the hydraulic splitter. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's not good for fingers. <laughs> they oh, they get smashed once in a while. But yikes! Uh, so you know anything outside? My wife's an avid gardener, so I, uh, I, I, I tease, tease her saying that uh, she's the brains and I'm the bitch, so I can dig a hole with the best of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, anything yeah. outside? I enjoy hunting. I was actually. Uh, I, I really time. like. I enjoy going to the woods more than I enjoy killing stuff anymore. But. Uh, you know, whenever I have an opportunity to to go deer hunt with my son and, and uh, his son, it's uh, incredibly gratifying and fun. So, uh, yeah, outdoors, anything outdoors works. Ever uh, elk hunt? Haven't, haven't I heard? I've never elk hunted. Um, <laughs> We're not lucky to. We haven't got that. I put in yet. for a permit a couple of years in Montana, but we never got to. Tell you what, it's, some elk burgers are delicious. So the last the last holiday party, it's funny, as Kurt and Nancy were leaving, I had to, you know, I had to jump in one more time. Hey, you know, introduce myself again. So, so they knew who I was, but more importantly, I said, how do I get on, how do I get on the ranch for an elk hunt? And he says, put in for a unit five Wyoming. Good luck. Basically <laughs> saying out of state ain't going to get a permit. And I'm yeah. like, huh. yeah, hey. so. It's back. They, they make some real game. crazy noises too, yeah. man. The milks. Yeah. You got to so, talk to Joe Rogan for that license, yeah. Yeah. or like have, have them call like Cameron Haynes or something. You got to know somebody. But. Class, here's a classic. If we've got time, a really uh, short oh, classic. We got elk, time, elk, man. We got time. We're on your schedule, brother. Elk hunting story. So the year that we put, uh, my buddy's got a cabin in Montana, and uh, we put in for elk permits. We scheduled a week of vacation. We didn't get drawn. But we took the vacation and went out anyway, and we just sort of scouted around the woods. We didn't have rifles because we didn't have tags, but complete rookies. We didn't know the first thing about elk hunting. But, so we're sneaking around the woods, you know, trying to look for elk and hear, hear elk and use binoculars. And all of a sudden, we man, we hear this thing bugling. It's like, holy shit, man. They're so loud. But we're on We're on top of this thing. And we sneaked around some more and sneaked around some more. And we come to find a guy in a pickup truck with a lounge chair in the back, his rifle, <laughs> and, and his elk bugle. Right out of his truck. Man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Nice. So, yeah, that's that's my elk hunting experience. Nice. So just deer, no other big game or anything like that? Uh, no, deer's uh, about the only thing I've uh, harvested. Uh, used to love rabbit hunting, but they're they're hard to find around our area Too anymore. Too many predators. The predators, coyotes are pretty thick. All right, so what are you guys thinking about this uh, wheat and rye whiskey so far? Because uh, initially, right off the back, I got that sweet smell from the wheat, and then uh, drinking it, get the. I know you said you couldn't distinctly taste it, but uh, maybe like some pepper, like some red and some black pepper, maybe on the back end a little bit. Yes, yeah, it's, it's got some nice. Uh, so you get like a nice for hot, me hot spice. For me, yeah. I get that sweet. But it has a hot finish like a rye, mm-hmm. so obviously it's it's hitting both of what I it's supposed think to do. The wheat's like a, a cinnamon, a cinnamon spice versus yeah. a pepper spice on the rye. Listen, but, I I one hundred percent 
prefer wheat whiskey over anything. Uh, probably, to be honest, rye would be at the bottom of what I like. Uh, Do I go wheat? Uh, the second of that would be like a nice corn, like a high corn mash bill. I like the sweeter stuff. Mm-hmm. The hot, I try and stay away from the hot. I feel like some of them have a really long finish, and uh, you know I, that 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 hug it I lasts w- a little while. I, yeah. I wish I had my samples. It'd be another time, but I, I you know, I, you can chime in here, Greg, and I think I know the answer. But you know, you could you could taste five, six, seven, whatever MGP ninety five five rise next to each other. And then you, I, I, seriously, you taste the old elk, and, and I don't know if it's in my head, but it, it, it's night and day. And I don't know if it's that. That's because you're, you have that knowledge of where those barrels are coming from or what. But it, it, it to me, it really maybe it's in my head. But I, I, I think ours. I've turned a lot of people onto rye that don't like rye, me included. I think I told the story on one of our the, the cast. Like we got our samples during COVID. And I got wheat, I got wheat of bourbon, and I got rye. And, you know, what were you doing during COVID? Well, what do I want to drink today? You know, you'd wake up. So literally five, <laughs> That's five, where this whole cigar yeah. and whiskey hobby came from. Yeah. Well, me and Caleb have been drinking whiskey together for probably eight, nine years. Eight years. Since probably. we met. Yeah. yeah, since we met. We whiskey used to, Saturdays. Whiskey Saturdays nice. is what we called it. And ironically, it started with a lot of that bullet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We saw it at a bar. Bullet rye is like that looks good. That's should have wore my good. bullet shirt. I know I have my bullet shirt too. <laughs> I should I should have wore it. We're doing an old elk episode. We haven't done a bullet episode yet. So yeah, yeah. Good luck finding someone. That, no, I'm just kidding. Hey, <laughs> we could just that could be just yeah, like a one off yeah. episode. Where yeah. we just, but anyway, within five days, I was requesting a second sample bottle of rye, and I all of a sudden I'm like, wow, maybe I do like rye. Yeah, and, I'm very rye sensitive. So like a minute, like I was like, oh, there's that rye. So, like, I get that, like, rye heat right away, but the wheat, like, mellows it. So, it's not, mm-hmm. like, I get that, like, tongue numbing from the rye, I guess, like, if that makes sense. But Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's not, like, traditionally, like, if I get, like, a really high rye, like, I'm like, woof. Like, uh, the one that was the worst was Rendezvous Rye when I tried that, and I was just like, oh, uh, that, that's got some That's burn, High right? West, right? High West. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you bought that bottle, so I did. But like, I grabbed like whatever. Like that was with uh, Mo, right? I, I don't yeah, remember who Mo. we yeah, did that, that was, with but Mo. like, just that's pretty much how I am when it comes. I, I have the least amount of whiskey knowledge of the three of us here. So when it's my turn to buy a bottle or something like that for the show, I'm like, all right, that looks cool. All right, let's go with it. We haven't had it. <laughs> I didn't touch on it earlier, but that uh, rum rye that was new, maybe I haven't had a couple it yet. months ago. We tried it at uh, the. The, oh, whiskey riot! Whiskey yeah. riot! It was good. And I I love oh, that. Oh yeah, one. yeah, that we did try one it. of my favorite ones, the rum rye. Because I like I said, I I'm know. a rye that guy, was... and with the rum, it was a it was a good pairing. Because I don't mind like a rum cast on it. Because I know I... Gio likes the rum cast. Love rum cask. I I think the sweetness of rum really brings out some like unique flavors in whiskey. I kept coming back to Jeff for the Infinity Bone that yeah. day. <laughs> Yeah, I, like, I got I got to get some more of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll just uh, a, a, any rum, of the master yeah. collection. The rum, rum and rye. I think you know me personally is is better. There, there's a couple rum finished bourbons out there, but that's kind of like sweet on sweet, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad, but I like the rum finished rye just because you're you got that contrast of, of sweet and spice. Yeah, and they they balance nicely. So. I did want to. I haven't had a chance to yet, but I really wanted to try the Armagnac. So we don't. 
you won't find much of it around. We yeah. didn't. We didn't. We haven't produced that since fall of 2021. Damn. I saw it. Like I'm just. It's there's, one of those things. Like I was like, oh there's man. A chance that someone you know might have a little bit of a sample left. It, it was. Greg preferred the port. Um, we did port, sherry, cognac, Me too. And, and Armagnac. And um, out of those four, I love the cognac and the Armagnac. Um, you know, port and sherry is a little more mainstream, yeah. I think. But um, I think he just called me mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you go by the book, right? Uh, I did. <laughs> In fact, I wrote the this book. This is the, leg- <laughs> the legend of the craft bourbon industry right here, mainstream. <laughs> so your recipe book, do you have a recipe book? And if you do, it's got to be insane and crazy to keep all these mash bills and everything together, right? Uh, yeah, I I've, uh, actually have... <laughs> encyclopedias of it <laughs> i've got a i thought i read there was a, two a bind- really important ones i've got a binder it's probably four inches thick with form not all mine but former mash bill <laughs> if you lost that book would it be a bad day uh probably no one else would ever notice <laughs> <laughs> is that all old elk stuff too or is that anything that you've done in the past uh beyond beyond what i've even done oh, so man. it's so that's like a collection of 40, like, like 40 years, en- right? Encyclopedia. When you first started. 50 years. That's the holy grail of mash bills in that book right there. When you first started distilling, I uh, I was doing a little reading that you had like almost like a, somebody that really helped you. I think it was Larry something. Larry Ebersold, yeah. And uh, that was at what, Seagram's? <laughs> yeah, he was the uh, master distiller that trained me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the master distiller that trained him was Jack Pileski. So it was... Uh, you know, a lot of the art part of the business was sort of taught and passed down by, you know, whatever master distiller was in charge at the time. So, yeah, very fortunate. Uh, Larry went on after retirement. Uh, he's had his hand in, in uh, golly, probably hundreds of, of craft distilleries. He did a lot of consulting. Uh, New Riff, uh, he consulted on that project, and uh, I can... Oh, but guarantee you that uh, New Riff uses all the all the processes <laughs> and procedures that we were trained on. So, uh, from a quality standpoint, I, I would bet that the New Riff is as good as anybody's. So it's yeah. funny. I've had three or four people tell me you have to try the New Riff mm-hmm. single barrel. They do it right, and I still to this day have not done it. Oh, you should. You think yeah. it's something I should definitely get yeah. into? Yeah, and if you ever have an opportunity and you happen to be. In Cincinnati, uh, I was gonna say it's right there in Cincinnati, I right? Would, I would recommend the tour too. They do it. It's nice. Facility. They do a great job. Really, I've had a couple of their products, but never the like the single barrel. But yeah, I've never had a bad experience. Yeah, that's Wait. only that's only if the shelves are out of old elk. Though, I remember. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is they, an old they, elk. They episode. do have good stuff. I, I've tasted. I, I think I've they've had. got a hundred percent rye mold out. I, I've been meaning to try. To grab it and try it. Hundred percent rye, okay. Hundred percent rye. Sounds malt. like it's right up Geo's alley. <laughs> rye malt. Like, Excuse me, I'm like, oh god, I'm dying. <laughs> what was the highest proof whiskey you ever did for Old Elk? Uh, what's the proof on this one? By the way, like a hundred and eight. One hundred eight. Oh, I think one fourteen point nine was, was be the probably the Infinity Blend. The yeah. first one, I think, was uh, one fourteen. That's pretty much whatever they come out. So. The interesting thing is that uh, the barrel entry proof uh, on Old Elk flagship bourbon was 115, and then all the other mash bills were 120. Uh, in Lawrenceburg, uh, uh, maturing there, they, they all the barrels tend to lose proof. 
which is the opposite of the Kentucky warehouses. They all tend to gain proof. And that just has a lot to do with the climate, the type of warehouses. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say one's better than the other, but the interesting part is at Lawrenceburg, they lose proof. Uh, I, I select barrels to go out to Fort Collins for processing, and, you know, sometimes they may uh, sit in our in-progress warehouse for six months to a year, and they actually start gaining proof mm-hmm. again out in Fort Collins. So, I, like, had, Damn, i got to proof this down. I've <laughs> known. Hot. <laughs> I've had customers. I've had customers that select a barrel, and they keep the sample bottle. You know, let's say it's 118, and then the product's delivered, and it's delivered at, like, 119. And I usually tell them, hey, here's your final proof. And they probably just skip that email. But the product gets delivered. And they're like, that's not the barrel I picked. I'm like, that's the barrel I picked. And it's 99% of the time the oh, yeah. proof goes up by the time it gets bottled yeah. from sitting in Colorado. So yeah. that um, that warehouse, uh, the distiller in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, it's 168 years old. Does that have anything to do with uh, part of that? And how is it that it's so old like that? That's crazy. That's a well, time. It was, I think the original distillery there was Rossville Distillery. I'm, if memory serves me right, they... They originated in like 1846, History. and and they uh, they kept it I think until 1933. But I think for many years there was a big fire that pretty much wiped out everything. And uh, when Seagram's bought it in 1933, it probably wasn't much more than just the property. So if you, if you ever go, if you ever get to Lawrenceburg, I mean all the massive buildings. Uh, were all erected by under the Seagram era, 1933 to probably most of the buildings were finished by the mid fifties. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, a distillery on that site dates back to about 1846, I believe. And I, and I've heard, correct me if I'm wrong, where I heard it, I don't know, but that facility right now is physically six times bigger than any Kentucky distillery, like the size <laughs> That's of it. Insane. Like, yeah, they're, uh, you know, most, I think most Kentucky distilleries are probably in uh, six to 8,000 proof gallons. Uh, six to 8,000 proof gallons, what would that be? I mean, physically, uh, well, th- six, like six, to eight million, six to 8 million proof gallons a year. And uh, Lawrenceburg, when I left, was in the neighborhood of 30 million proof gallons a year. So they they were they were yeah. big. When I joined them in 78, I think they were the largest distillery in the world. Beverage distillery. I mean, gasohol plants go like 100 million. They're monsters, but uh, you know, beverage whiskey uh, I would say I would say that they're probably still top 5 in the world. So it's like the Google equivalent of distilling as far as like it, it's large. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's like an indoor refinery down there. It's, so it's cool. all enclosed. It's, everything's in buildings, but uh yeah, there's there's a lot of equipment. So most people would say like obviously like as far as whiskey goes, you're you're one of the godfathers of the industry. Who's like someone that like you got to meet through, you know, your uh, career that you're you kind of geeked out a little bit on. Oh, I think uh, it'd be Jimmy Russell for sure. Uh, under the uh, when we were under Pernover Cars umbrella, Wild Turkey was part of our portfolio, so I got the chance to you know meet Jimmy Russell and you know chat with him some. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that we're great friends, but we certainly uh, 
have a, a huge respect for each other, and, and I think he's uh, always been one of the legends in the business. So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's one of the persons I'm in awe of for sure. Uh, they make a great product. Too. Yeah, they do. I also like wild turkey too. Yeah, my brother. They're Kentucky, my brother's favorite. Kentucky spirit. Damn, your brother's not even calling your stuff. Your Tough family life. There. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm working on him though. Yeah, so, that that 101 is that's a sleeper. Just the standard, regular, everyday pour that you can go through. Yeah. Even the rye, even the rye one one. That's like a, a cheap go to for me. Well, we started doing some of their craft stuff, right? Like the the, the rare breed, all the rare breed, rare breed. I mean, they put out a great product. You no, know, one of the cool things about this industry, and I, I said it tonight at the dinner, is that, uh, you know, I guess we're all competitors in a way, but uh, bigger than that, we're all family. And you know, I don't, I don't know of any brand out there that thinks they're the best necessarily. And I think the other thing is that I think everybody kind of thinks there's room for everybody. So it, it's kind of a unique industry when you think about it that way. It's not, you know, a lot of people don't have the daggers and they're trying yeah, to right. stab you in the back over what you do just because you're a competitor. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty unique, I think. I guess I would compare it to like sports. Like, you know, we, we make these rivalries in our heads, like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. And in yeah. reality, they're best friends. They hang out and golf all the time. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I think that comes from obviously being in there and knowing what it takes to get to that master level. There's an appreciation of the craft because obviously you love what you do. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, you know, Jimmy Russell loves what he yeah. does. And like, so. There's a lot of respect. There's there. a huge mutual respect. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Yeah. All right, I got one for you. So you've been in the game since like 1978 when you first started. Mm -hmm. um, so after such a long and successful career, what gives you the drive to keep on going in the industry? Is it just like the love for the spirit and the whiskey industry? Like you probably could have retired or just stopped before joining Old Elk, but what uh, what kept that drive inside of you going? Well, I think, uh, you know, really the the opportunities that, that uh, Old Elk gave me to to see different parts of the industry that I'd never been part of, uh, and the ability to work with uh, a group of young, smart, passionate people, and the ability to help build a brand from the ground up. I was never part of any of that. Uh, you know, my, my 38 years in Lawrenceburg was in a very, very commercial arena. And it was, you know, you had to do budgets every year. And every year the company would say, well, you know, Greg, we want you to keep producing that great whiskey, but this year we want you to do it 10% cheaper. And, <laughs> you know, it comes comes with all those pressures and, and whatnot. But, and that's all fair. I mean, that's business. That's the way, that's, that's the business world. It's got to be tough to keep your standard of quality but, up, though, uh, when they're saying that. You yeah. figure you figure out yeah. ways to doing it. It's all about it's all about profit, man. We all know that. Everything. Quality goes down. Or quality is supposed to, you know, stay the same, but cost has to come down. And i just feel like when you're doing a product like whiskey or again, I like to tie back into cigars. It's it's hard to do something like that. Yeah. It can be challenging for sure, but but you know, back to the question, it's it was just the opportunities that Old Elk brought to the table that uh, I'd never been part of. So it, it, it sort of invigorated my career, if you will. 
and also like I, I believe I've touched on this before. One of the things I appreciate about old elk is that even though it's a very, very high quality product, you know, for the most part, if a retailer carries it, like you can get, you know, that Kentucky straight blend, you know, readily available. You can get different expressions readily available and the everyday consumer gets to try that. And then one day they can decide, Hey, today I'm going to go spend a hundred dollars on an infinity blend or something like that because they like that. Whereas a lot, unfortunately with a lot of other brands, like it's almost like a forced allocation type thing that I really am not a fan of, but I appreciate the brand as a whole just doing all of their things to allow people to enjoy their product at a reasonable price point too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's really, uh, part of our DNA is, is to bring the best products forward to the consumer. And, and again, that goes back to our, our foundations of wanting to be different than everybody else that's on the shelf. That's no guarantee that you're going to like the different that we bring to the table, but, uh, it just goes back to quality, and it goes back to being different. That sets us apart from uh, our competitors. Well, guys, I think uh, you know, Greg. We appreciate you being on. We're going to get into the last portion of our show here with our cigar reviews. Uh, Caleb, you ready with yours? Yeah, we'll I'm have all, you start you off as usual. Then I'm all set. So appearance on this Age Groom Quattro uh, Nicaragua Sonata. I've given it a nine. Nice double band. As well, uh, burn given it a nine. I just had one touch up throughout the whole show. Uh, construction, I gave it an eight and a half. Had a couple ashes falling on me. Could have just been user error, but uh, still, you know, ash when it needed to. Could have kept this ash going for a while. Um, I went with the V cut because it's a torpedo size, standard. It fits my mouth as usual. Um, and enjoyment, I gave it a nine and a half. I'm with the goat himself, Greg Metz from Old Elk. <laughs> so uh, that's a 45 total, which gives me a 90 on the cigar. Uh, great smelling cigar from the start as soon as you lit it. A little bit of a sandy taste. Um, and I got to say, I've never had a bad aging room at all. And uh, the last maybe half to third uh, started to get some more pepper notes. So 90 for me, great score, uh, great stick. Perfect. Uh, for me, I gave it a 8.5 on the appearance. Uh, I really like it. Uh, pretty cool looking cigar. Obviously, I'm a big sucker for a torpedo. Uh, the burn, I gave it a 9. Pretty much almost perfect. Uh, I didn't really touch it up or anything. The construction, same thing. I mean, Altidus and Aging Room, they know what they're doing. They put out a great product. Uh, all their cigars are you know, put together and, and constructed very well. Uh, the draw, I gave it a 9. thing drew when I wanted it to, bring my overall enjoyment to a 9, giving me a 44.589 overall. All right, I'll get into mine here. Appearance, I gave it a 7.5. I mean, for all intents and purposes, to me, it was a little boring. Like, saw the box on the shelf. It's this, like, weird, like, burnt, like, not quite burnt orange, but, like, not quite mustard yellow look. It's just kind of weird to me. Like, I don't know how to really describe the color. It didn't, it didn't match the band? Yeah, like, it just was weird. Uh, not something that stands out to me if it's on a shelf. As far as burn goes, this thing was incredible. Got a 9.5 on the burn. Uh, doesn't happen often with me, especially I talk a lot. So when you get a 9.5 burn from me, that's like a very big compliment. Probably like anyone else would have gave it a 10 if that was the case. But... There, construction, 9.5. I don't have a single ash flake on me, and that says a lot when you're dealing with 
a product you're moving around and as of course i say that and ash falls on me here <laughs> that's why we don't have video guys today you know worked out here <laughs> but you know you move around a lot i'm you know italian here Puerto Rican. i talk with my hands a lot so good when i'm not wearing ash uh draw i actually had a little bit too loose of a draw for my liking i didn't think i cut it too low but that could just be a one-off thing i gave the draw 7.5 enjoyment i gave this thing a nine like not only was I able to, you know, have great conversation, I wasn't even thinking about the cigar. I got to engage myself in that. And that's what it's all about when you're having a high quality product you're drinking here. As far as notes, like flavor profiles, I think the the rye kind of overpowered this cigar for me. So I didn't really get a lot of notes myself, but that's just my own personal experience. I've said it before. I'm very rye sensitive. Love the actual whiskey though. Like I'll just throw that in there. But that brought my overall score to a 43 times a two. This thing got an 86 for me. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Uh, I mean, as always, you guys know, we're not, we don't have the most, uh, you know, advanced palettes here for our cigars, you know, guys sometimes complain about that, but I mean, it is what it is. Whatever. We, we, we try I'm to starting to learn your, the whole scoring thing now. I'm, I'm getting used to it's literally A, B, C, D, E. I know appearance, burn, highest, construction, draw, high, overall enjoyment the is the every E. Time. You had an 86, right, Gio? <laughs> yes. How'd that do, Caleb? We just uh, divide by three real quick. Math. Overall score, 88.33. Perfect. So 88 overall, you know. Perfect. But uh, I just want to, again, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Greg, for coming on the show, hanging out with us. Uh, I wish we could have did video here, but, of course, uh, National Grid had other plans today. Yeah, we sure did. So, for I mean, me, it's been a pleasure to have been here. Yeah. Uh, really it, it's it. nice to see the man behind the curtain getting the recognition he deserves. So. Obviously, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, and uh, I mean, we're sitting in front of whiskey greatness right now. So, thank you. Just just taking the time out of your day to spend, you know, an hour and a half. Uh, We didn't go to the tasting, so it was a little cheaper for us to have you here. (laughs) Uh, And uh, a little late at night. Sorry to keep you up so late, but issues. It's been fun. But you know what? Overall, I think this. uh, I, I mean, for me, I like the rye. I like the wheat. So I thought the cigar pairing with this whiskey was a. it worked out great for me. I, I think it. this bottle will be hitting the shelf soon. I mean, so. it's already halfway. It'll, it'll be hitting my uh, my personal shelf soon. It, it's already halfway gone, so I think we definitely enjoy <laughs> that bottle. Yeah. That one's a little tougher to find, but you'll find it. It's out there. It's. I think I saw it at Colonial. It's in Orchard Park. Did, yes, yes. I think they only got a case, though. Yeah. It was uh, one case allocation, so, yeah. That A word. I know. Allocated. La, 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 la. Bad it's, word. We don't like that it's, word. Um, limited release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, limit, uh, limited re- release. Limited I'm cool release with. Limited release by us, allocated by the wholesaler for the first month. Now, did you, did you say how many total bottles went out? Well, yeah, it's funny. Greg and I were talking about that today. Um, um, as far I, I don't know. I don't want to throw a number out there. New York State, I can tell you what New York State got of that was only 50 cases. Uh, but there's more available. The initial release of that wheat and rye was 50 cases, so you know 300 bottles. But that's there. There's there's more available. They'll get more. <laughs> well, I think I can speak for uh, the the three of my uh, well, obviously myself, Geo, and Caleb. I can speak for us uh, when we say we look forward to continuing to keep you know supporting Old Elk and letting everybody know. I I, I think you really got something here, and I I truly believe. And this isn't because somebody told me it. I'm sure you know who you are, but this really could be the next big brand. 
well, in so, the whiskey yeah. industry because this is every product you guys put out from your $50 bottle to your $130 bottle. They're all fantastic. And they're they're an absolute pleasure um to to you know to drink and enjoy uh whether you're having the best day of your life or the worst day. I mean, <laughs> take the edge off or it's a nice celebration. I know I've done both, so yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you know the Infinity Blend was a a bottle that I actually the day that me and my wife went for our sonogram, and you know we found out we were having a daughter, and I did. I cracked into the Infinity Blend, and I smoked a real nice cigar. I sat out there and just you know reflected on all the great stuff that you know I have coming. We've got the into my life. Of life coming. That's uh, that's special. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna congratulations. I'll let, I'll let- Greg, finish. I, I want to say one thing real quick. Thank you, as always, for the support. You guys have been awesome since the first day I came on board. Um, with the kind words, the support, and everything. Happy birthday, Gio. Thank you. Hey, happy birthday, and, Gio. And, uh, Jerry, good luck. Good luck this week, man. Life-changing. And uh, Hey, you're a girl, Dad, you know. Yeah, except she's 19, so. I, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, 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 I you're forgot. in a different realm. <laughs> I forgot what it's like. No, I'm kidding. No, it's... Uh, it's an awesome experience. You'll love it. So good luck with everything. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you all for having us. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. It's been fun. So, uh, Greg, any uh, closing remarks or anything you want to say just so uh, all our listeners can uh, get to know you or follow you or anything you got out there? Uh, just say stay tuned because we've got more coming. <laughs> Ooh, love that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then just to close off again, thank you, Adam, from Smoker's Haven. Absolutely. Provided the venue tonight. Like My brother. If we don't get this open up here, this episode doesn't happen tonight. So very, very important part of the show, obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll just put the audio on the YouTube with something just so people can listen to it for our listeners there. But again, thank you. Appreciate you. Always hit support and have us when we need you. Love it. That being said, Caleb. Hey, for all, you guys, for all you guys out there, just make sure you're following on the YouTube, the Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, get all those likes, comments, uh, Grower Gang. We need you. And I told you, you guys come through with 500 YouTube subscribers. Big giveaway. Big. All right. That being said, make sure you're finding the audio on Cigar Hustler Podcast Network. And this one should be pretty easy, guys. This is audio only. Yeah, we, There will be no YouTube video for this one. Uh, some technical difficulties. I mean, obviously, this sh- whole show has uh, been on the fritz, but... Uh, the conversation, as always, is fantastic, That's and what and, the, and the guests that we bring on are always top notch and and class acts. So we appreciate you guys. And that being said, we'll see you guys next Wednesday. The Down to Earth Podcast, its owners and sponsors, take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the talk show hosts or their guests. Statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of Mike and Mike Productions or the podcast providers, and opinions between talk show hosts may differ. It's not our intention to libel, incite, or hurt anyone's feelings. We invite you to write the show's host, Jerry Lewandowski, with any feedback or suggestions you have for their show. These broadcasts are presented and made public as entertainment in the hopes that they will be entertaining to the audience. Oh, you guys drove by? Yeah. Oh, I hope they picked that up.